Yo, 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 this is Tyler. This is Danny. And this is the next episode of Fried Squirms, and I know you just told me the number and I already forgot. Probably because they're a little high, but uh, yeah, today's episode is 117. Oh yeah, The Gate, Yeah. which you know by reading the episode title. But before we get into that, how's your week been? It's been pretty good. Laid back. Knowing that we were going to do the film today, something we had planned you know, previously... So I didn't really have to worry about necessarily watching the film and or taking notes. Like, if we've already done those. Which is good, because we're recording this, like, two days earlier than normal. Exactly. <laughs> so that definitely helps, too. But, yeah, it was pretty laid back. Let's see. Didn't really do a whole lot. I started watching the film Annihilation. I think I told you I watched Hot Fuzz this week. Just a little editing, hanging out, all that good stuff. Some sports. That's about all. Hell, yeah. How about yourself, man? Shit, I didn't do anything so far this week. Between... The last time we recorded and now, it's been my work week with no weekend to speak of. So Yeah, that's understandable. Yeah, this is how I'm starting off my weekend, and I'm excited to see what it brings. But I don't really have any plans, and it's kind of icky out. I think MAGAFest is going on. I might head down there and check out some rugby, but I'm kind of doubting it, because I kind (laughs) of don't want to go fuck around outside. Yeah, it looks like it's about to rain any moment. Yeah. Shit, I guess with that, you got any horror news? I have one big thing that I saw this week that blew my mind, and that was it. Yeah. I don't even know how big it necessarily is, but Chris Rock's rebooting the Saw franchise? Not by himself. He's doing it with Lionsgate. James Wan and Lee Wan L are on as, like, executive producers. But Chris Rock (laughs) brought to Lionsgate an idea for a new Saw story, and they're doing it. That's awesome. You know, what I think is interesting, too, is, you know, we know him for his comedy, but, I mean, he's a pretty intelligent guy. He's... What, does he want a cookie? <laughs> Why not? <laughs> right? <laughs> Why not? But, you know, I'm on board to see what happens. You know, we've already, and yeah. you and I, off the podcast, have talked about some of the people that are on board with the project. So, I mean, it's already a good start. Yeah, I mean, it's not a bad start, at least. No. I'm curious to see what his idea is. It's so weird that it definitely has me intrigued. So they probably sold a ticket just by saying Chris Rock (laughs) wants to be the one to do this. Yeah, I'm more than willing to give it a chance. We'll Mm -hmm. see what happens, yeah. So something you had briefly mentioned in last week's episode, just as a matter of fact almost, is when we think of witch films, we think of certain witch films. And one of those witch films was The Witchfinder General. Now the reason I'm bringing that up it is because John Hillcoat and Nicholas Wending Refn are remaking The Witchfinder General. So I saw that. I was like, man, that is fucking dope. I don't know how long you know they are in the process, whether there's even you know a rewrite of the script, etc. But looks like those two gentlemen are on board. And Refn has quite a filmography. He's got some really good films to his credit. Fucking The Pusher movies, Valhalla Rising. Like, I fucking love Valhalla Rising. Dude, yeah, was it Driver was another one Driver, that was really good? yeah. It's interesting to note that they are on board to do Witchfinder General. If you haven't seen it, go check out the original with Mr. Price. Oh, he also did Bronson. Bronson is oh, amazing. Yeah. So yeah, it's going to be oh, fun. Neon Demon was probably more recent mm-hmm. in the horror as well. So yeah, it's pretty awesome. The next little bit of news that I do have is that Mortal Kombat, not only is it getting, was it, Number 11 this year, as far as video games? Oh, yeah, it just came out like a month ago, something like that, a month yeah. and a half ago. But it looks like the Warner Brothers Mortal Kombat is slated for a March 5th, 2021 theatrical release. So 
pretty interesting. We'll see what happens with that. You know, like I said, I know you probably did as well as I did. Grow up with the original films and mm-hmm. video games. So. The cartoon. Yeah. Gosh, <laughs> man. A lot of that shit, man. I was hooked when it first came out of the arcades. And then finally got a home console release back in the early 90s. So, yeah. But a long history with us. <laughs> the next thing I did see is another film that we have reviewed. It has a remake. And Vertical Entertainment has acquired Jacob's Ladder remake and it's set for a summer release date. Oh, yeah, I just saw that. So, I mean, we covered that not too long ago, the original. Oh, it's um, one of my favorites. I'm super excited to see what they do, if yeah. they can sort of capture that magic in any way again. I know we've read some articles about it in the past. They said that there's going to be a twist, but it's not the same twist. So, I'm curious to see what the new twist is. Likewise. I'll give it a chance, if nothing else. You know, I'm not expecting it to be the original. I'm kind of finding that out with more remakes we watch these days, which is a good thing for the most part. Another little bit of news I have is that the Suska Twins, they are doing a David Cronenberg remake, and that film is rabid. But it looks like they've also inked a deal with his production company, which is Prospero Pictures. So that is pretty exciting, which means they might be able to get a hold of more of his films as well. I do enjoy their work. They're known for Canadian horror films within the last decade. Some really good ones, too. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's exciting. If I'm not mistaken, don't quote me on this, but if I'm not mistaken, I want to say they're in one of those for Valentine's. Valentine's. Yeah, I think they're in either Regurgitated Sacrifice or... Oh, the shit. One, yeah, I think hmm. the one's called like Puke Torture Chamber or some shit like that. Oh, Slow Torture Puke Chamber yeah, or something it's like, like that? Yeah, like, oh, God. Yeah, so if I'm not mistaken, I think they're in one of the films. But regardless, they do some really good work. Mm-hmm. So it's nice to see that they're on board Cronenberg. And the last thing I have, this is some news regarding The Shining. It's another one of the films that we've reviewed. We highly revere it. But it looks like uh, the WB's website, it detailed that The Shining, which is getting a 4K ultra high definition release... It looks like it's going to be a longer cut than we've ever seen on home video. Oh, shit. Yeah, so I'm kind of curious to see what all scenes they put in it. No, I have gone back and read the novel. I just want to see it on 4K. Dude, that's going to look beautiful. But knowing Kubrick and the attention to detail and how many shots he takes, we'll see what happens. But Mm -hmm. yeah, it's going to be exciting nonetheless, but... Yeah, those are kind of the bits of news. Sweet. You know, caught my eye throughout the week. But it's been I, a short week. It has been. Said, I mean, so. considering we normally record on Mondays, it is Saturday for us. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Start of our weekend, too. So that's always fun. I guess let's get into the guts and bolts. And while we're guts and boltsing, our guest might arrive. So just like last week, if I suddenly get up, all you listeners out there, you know why. <laughs> yeah. So uh, guts and Bolts. Oh, you're going to hear that from my intro. (laughs) Guts and Bolts. All right, here we go. The Gate, 1987. Synopsis? Yeah, just a brief synopsis. Let's see. Two young kids accidentally open a gateway to hell in their backyard. Incidentally, they're metalheads. That's the movie, right? That's essentially what the film would tell, (laughs) yeah. It is important that they're metalheads, but it's also kind of incidental to them actually opening the gate. So Absolutely. Yeah, I like that. That's a good brief synopsis. You know, this is a Canadian film, USA Venture. So 
What we like to do, of course, from week to week, is talk about the cast and crew. This week we'll start off with our director, and that is Tibor Takas. And he's known for directing such films as I, Madman. He has done the sequel to this film, which was The Gate 2, The Trespassers. He's also known for doing work on Red Shoe Diaries 2, which is uh, some television stuff and some film stuff. I probably saw his episodes. Uh, I thought this was kind of neat. I probably have too. Uh, that wasn't the neat part, but he's done the Sabrina the Teenage Witch TV movie. Which was the pilot for the series. That is pretty gnarly. He's also known for doing some television work on The Outer Limits. He was also the director of The Crow, Stairway to Heaven, and Spiders 3D. Oh, dope. Yeah, so he's known for some interesting works. All right, our writer on this film is Michael Nankin. He's known for writing screenplays for the films Midnight Madness, the film Ruskies, of course, uh, The Gate Part Two, The Trespassers, Life Goes On, the television series, which I grew up watching. If you've ever seen the 90s version, because we've talked about Jessica Alba, he was the writer on the Flipper television series. He was also the Protector television series writer, and he's also a director and producer. The cinematographer on this film is Thomas Vamos. He's known for being the DP for such films as Mario, The Peanut Butter Solution, Captive Hearts, Summer of the Cult, Being at Home with Claude, and The Sleep Room. The editor on this film is Rit Wallace. He was responsible for editing the 1981 My Bloody Valentine, The Surrogate, The Boy in Blue, Nowhere to Hide, and the film I watched, I don't know how many times because of basic channels growing up, was Iron Eagle 2. Nice. All right, so the music, this is two gentlemen, and those gentlemen are Michael Honig and Peter Robinson. I had to look up some of their film credits because they have a lot, so I'll start with Michael Honig, just a few of them. From the 80s, he was the composer for the film The Wraith, which also Mr. Robinson worked on as well. Honig was known for other things, such as Max Headroom, the television series, The Blob, that's the 1988, of course, version of that. Class of 99, he did an episode of Eerie Indiana, if you ever grew up watching that. He composed some music for Dark Skies television series, Baldur's Gate Part 2, and Dracula 3000. Actually, Baldur's Gate and Baldur's Gate 2. That's pretty awesome. And Tales from the Sword Coast. Yeah, he's got some interesting credits. And uh, Mr. Robinson's credits, like I said, he did help with The Wraith. He was also part of Return of the Living Dead Part 2. Vampire in Brooklyn. (coughs) Yeah, the film Cocktail. Uh. (laughs) Cadillac Man, The Wizard, which is a film I, man, love that film. Wayne's the world, yeah, the Wonder Years, sixteen episodes, Erie, Indiana, once again, Encino Man. So I've been listening to this guy's work my entire life, and I had no idea. Me either. So yeah, these are guys we're familiar with. Like I said, he's also done some stuff on Tales from the Crypt. So it, probably anything you grew up watching in the eighties or nineties, you probably heard some of these guys' music. All right, the special effects. We've got a few people and teams on this. Uh, Illusion Arts. They help with the visual effects. Frank C. Carrera, he was a special effects makeup artist. Randall William Cook helped with the special visual effects, and he was the designer and supervisor on this film. Some interesting stuff I'll talk about later. This was produced by John Kemeny. Production companies were New Century Entertainment Corporation. They helped present the film. The Vista organization they were in association with, Alliance Entertainment, and Gate Productions were also production companies. Distributors were New Century, Vista Film Company, that with the 1987 USA theatrical release, and Vestron Video helped with the 1987 USA VHS and Laserdisc release. 
Uh, the release dates on this were April 21st, 1987 in the UK and May 15th, 1987 here in the States and in Canada. Had an estimated budget about two and a half millions to about six million dollars. Opening weekend had 4.3 million dollars and it grossed 13.5 million dollars. I've got a few taglines on this. The first tagline I'm going to start with is they're here and they want to meet the neighbors. Number two I have is there's a passageway, a gate behind which the demons wait to take back what was once theirs. That one's rather long. It is. It's got a little long-winded. And the third one I have is they have opened the gate. Pray it's not too late. Okay. Yeah. Some, okay. some 80s taglines. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that was pretty much our crew, and now I'll move on to our cast. And this is interesting because I didn't really know who they were growing up. Of course, I know who they are now, but... Our lead actor in this particular film is Stephen Dorff. He plays the role of Clint. And when you look at his filmography, it's pretty extended. There's a couple of films I'd like to mention just because I grew up with. One of them, actually, I think is kind of underrated, but I really like it, was the film Judgment Night. He was also in the films The Power of One. He was in SFW. So fucking what? <laughs> he was also in I Shot Andy Warhol. You've probably seen him in Space Truckers. I really like Space Truckers with Charles Dance from Game of Thrones. That's why I wanted to mention it. He was also in Cecil B. Demented. Blade. Yeah, also Blade, hello. Public Enemies. One film I do like, it's kind of stupid, but it's stupid funny, is the Bucky Larson movie, Born to be a Star. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He was also in The Motel Life, and a little bit more recently he was in Leatherface. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was kind of neat. All right, moving on, we have Krista Dench, who plays the role of Al or Alexandra, who is the sister of Glenn in this film. Now, she's done some work on the films Not My Kid. She was in The Bad Seed. You might have seen her in 8 Million Ways to Die. She was in three episodes of Growing Pains from 1986 through 1987. She was also in the television series Silver Spoons back in 1984 and 86 for two episodes. Hmm. All right, next person I have is Louis Tripp. He plays the role of Terry Chandler. And he was in the Campbell's 1986 television series. He was also in Seeing Things, which was a 1987 television series. He's also in The Gate Part 2, The Trespassers. He was in Detroit Rock City. He was uncredited, but he played a nerdy kid in that film. Oh, and sure. I love that film. That's a good movie. I haven't seen it in years, but now the next time I watch it, I'm going to be like on the lookout. One of my favorite lines in that film, if nothing else, is from the trailer, is... There's a gal walking down the highway, and the kid's like, he's like, this is usually how horror movies start. And he's like, well, this is also how pornos start. <laughs> yeah, so well, that was pretty cool. All right, next actress I have is Kelly Rowan. She plays the role of Laura Lee. She's one of the Lee sisters in this film. She was in such films as My Pet Monster. You might have seen her in the film Hook. She was also in Candyman, Farewell to the Flesh. She was in the film Assassins. You might have seen her in 187, Lonesome Dove, the Outlaw Years television series. She was also in the OC and Perception television series. Next actress I have is Jennifer Irwin. She plays the role of Linda Lee, who was Lori Lee's sister in this film. She was in Blues Brothers 2000. You might have seen her in the film Superstar. Superstar. Yeah. She was also in The Red Green Show, which is a Canadian television oh, series. Yeah. Mm -hmm. She was in Are You Afraid of the Dark, 1993's The Tale of Locker 22. Mm. 
You might have seen her in the film Exit Wounds. She was also in No Strings Attached. And more recently, she was in Eastbound Down. She played Cassie Powers, which oh, was the okay. sister-in-law of Kenny Powers. All right, next uh, actor I have is Carl Cranes. He plays the workman. He was also in the films The Slayer. He was a part of Hill Street Blues television series, Hunter television series, and he reprised a role in The Gate Part Two: The Trespassers. I've got two other actors, and that kind of rounds out the cast. I have Andrew Gunn. He plays the role of Brad. Now, he is a producer, and he's done such things as The Haunted Mansion. Oh, shit. No yeah. I was like, well, no coinky dent. He's also the producer on Bedtime Stories, Race to Witch Mountain, Bad Santa 2, Decoy, and Cruella. Okay. Right, and the last person I have is Linda Goranson. She plays Terry's mom in the film. Now, she's in it real briefly, but... I had to mention some of these because one of her old films is called The Rowdy Man. And there was a couple of actors I'd seen in there. And I was like, I wonder how I remember this. And I was like, man, we've actually talked about some of the people that are in that film. She was also a part of the Littlest Hobo television series from 1983 through 1985. She was in the films Confidential. She was in Millennium. You might have seen her in Ordinary Magic, Owning Mahoney, Casino Jacked. Gridlocked, and a film called Killer High. Gridlocked is awesome. I can't recommend that movie enough. But <laughs> Yeah, so that's our cast and crew. You gave us a brief synopsis. We should give you some warnings. Well, there's demons, and it's a gate to hell. Yes. So if you don't like that... Yeah, if you're versed anything with anything to do with hell, this is not for you. There's actually some kind of... It's not like true gore, but there's some actually like some good effects with some like weird, disturbing imagery that like borders on gore. I agree. There's not many scenes like that, but there's a couple where it's like, oh, okay. Um, (laughs) But honestly, like overall, I would rate this movie as pretty family friendly. I think there's some language too, but it's not much. You're right. There are some things that are not PC right now that are used in that film. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, oh, shit. (laughs) But we do have to give the warning because, you know, it might trigger somebody. Mm -hmm. But anyhow, it is pretty tame. It is. I think it is family friendly for the Mm -hmm. most part. It's probably one of the more tame films, but there's a reason for that, too. I agree. But with that, Tickle seems like he's noticing something. So I think our guest might just about be here. So let's get ready to go into the how did this make us squeal? Here you go. How does that make you squeal? Just talk, just so I can see what the levels are at. All right, so... so I'm sorry. So anyways, you know, <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I took an Uber here, and it was a very awkward oh, yeah? experience. Yeah, he was... I was trying to, like, just be friendly and chat it up, and he was... Not having it. Not having it, yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. That's I'm usually the other way around in an Uber. Like, they're trying to chat me up, and I'm just like, dude, I'm just trying to get where I need to go. <laughs> right, like... Right. I would walk, but I don't have enough time, so I'm well, willing I wasn't to pay. Like, I wasn't being overly, like, mm-hmm. you know, aggressive, like, trying to start it up a, a conversation, but he was, I don't know. Didn't want to engage. Maybe he just wasn't having that very yeah. good day or something. That, it, it is awkward, too, when you're, like, even if you're just, you're trying to be polite or yeah. not make it feel awkward. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I was kind of joking around with him, and he was just... Honestly, I'm just going to leave that as a cold open yeah. because everything's looking really good. So, fucking welcome, Donnie. Like, Thank you. So glad to finally have you on the show. Yeah, it's great to finally be here. <laughs> I and, know. Uh, nothing prevented me from being here today, so yeah. I mean, I guess, like, when I'm at work in the mornings, or early in my shift, I guess I don't work mornings anymore, like, I have 
Danny and like Patrick and shit who's been on the show to talk about movies with sure. late in the night. I got this guy over here, Donnie. <laughs> fucking, and you love all the fucking folk horror. Dude, so for the listeners out there, Donnie's the reason why we covered November two weeks ago. Because he fucking shared that trailer over to me. Oh, and yeah. it immediately just caught both of our attention. Yeah, no doubt. Before we go in on the gate, what did you think of November? Oh, man. <laughs> I mean, we talked about it a little bit, but for this. <laughs> yeah, well, I saw the trailer. I can't remember how I ran across it. And uh, I was interested in seeing it for weeks, and I just pulled the trigger. I, I'm a Blu-ray addict. I just I nab up. I'm constantly getting packages in the mail. Just, my <laughs> collection is just getting a little absurd, actually. Okay. But, so uh, so I, <laughs> I saw November, and uh, I saw the trailer, and I, I just I just went ahead and I pulled the trigger on the, the Blu-ray, and uh, man, it lived up to my expectations. It was just like very bizarre. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen a movie anything like it, but yeah, I don't know. It was it was excellent. Oh yeah, man. Well, shit. I suppose starting off like we do with most guests, like what's kind of like your, I guess, history with horror. What was like uh, maybe some of your first ones? What sort of got you interested when you were young, and like maybe what's some favorites that keep you through to this day? Oh man. So I saw The Exorcist at an age that I probably shouldn't have seen it at. Mm-hmm. Uh, my old man used to watch horror flicks around the house and uh i remember seeing the exorcist and carrie (laughs) at a super i mean like four or five years old exorcist fucked me up because uh i grew up in a lutheran family and went to church every sunday and i don't know when you hear tales of how the devil's gonna get you and stuff and then seeing a movie like that as a you know just as a child it was it'll feed right into the fear yeah (laughs) definitely Hell yeah. And uh, so, I don't know, stemmed off from there. I uh, used to watch Son of Svenguli. Okay. Uh, this was back home in Chicago. He was a uh, kind of like an Elvira sort of personality. Look him up, like Google him. You'll get immediate results. He came out of a uh, coffin and he had like sort of like King Diamond sort of makeup. I'm going to do that right now while yeah. you're telling us. Was he more um, of like a, a per- like a TV personality? Yeah, yeah he was a okay. TV personality. Okay. Played by a guy named Rich Coase, who's like a big time like Chicago sort of underground celebrity. But he used to do like horror movies, and it was a lot, a lot of Hammer stuff. And like, nice. uh, I remember like you know seeing Vincent Price and Christopher Lee and Peter oh, Cushing shit. and like all. Yeah, the- look at this guy, Danny. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. that looks super familiar. Yeah. <laughs> Almost yeah. like the Paul Bearer, like. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Okay, yeah, that's dope. so I yeah I used to watch stuff like that as a kid and um, and uh, I don't know I, I feel like I kind of like got out of it for many many years and then uh, maybe like during like my mid teens like when I was like starting to get into heavy metal and stuff like that you know heavy metal and horror movies go hand in hand so uh, my buddies and I used to go to Blockbuster and we would rent you know what did we see like. Uh, I saw The Shining for the first time, watched okay. The Exorcist again. It took a lot of balls to watch The Exorcist <laughs> again because, like, I hadn't seen it since I was a kid, you know, mm-hmm. or since I was, like, five, four or five years old, and, uh, yeah, that was a trip. Evil Dead, like, all the Evil Dead movies, nice. you know, just, like, just like those classics that you first discover when, you know, during your teens, you know, like Nightmare on Elm Street and stuff like that. But, I don't know, maybe, like, my late 20s, I started getting more into, like, the Hammer films. Uh, again, you know, like, with Christopher Lee and all those guys. And then uh, started getting into more, like, the occult and, like, devil worship and mm-hmm. witchcraft like that. You know, like, uh, 
Blood on Satan's Claw and uh, Witchfinder General, like all the witchy movies. I love that stuff. And that's kind of like where I'm at now. And, uh, we just talked about Witchfinder General like five minutes before. Yeah, just a few minutes ago. They're doing a remake of it. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Nicholas Winding Ruffin is. He and another gentleman are slated to do the remake. Oh, wow. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Have you ever seen any Winding Ruffin stuff? He did like Driver. Oh. Um, uh, um, he did Valhalla Rising. Oh, yeah. Okay. Sure. Yeah. So Ooh, he's doing okay. Witchfinder General. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Done. Any talk on who's playing uh, Not Matthew yet. Hopkins? Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Okay. But I'm like, okay. Can you guys think of anybody that would uh, maybe fit the bill? I mean, he's already worked with him. Give me Mads Mikkelsen. I was, yeah. I was thinking the same <laughs> thing. They were all three on board. <laughs> Give me Mads. Perfect. Yeah, dude. That would be killer. Man. All day long. I mean, he kills it at whatever he does. Yeah. So Yeah. It's got our vote. That's for sure. Nice. Um, well, shit. I mean, I, we can pop over into the gate a little bit because I'm also curious. I'm kind of the baby in the room today. Did you guys actually encounter this movie growing up? I guess that's my first question because I didn't encounter this movie until we decided to do it for the podcast because it did. came out the same year I was born. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah. Okay. 88? 87. Yeah, 87. Okay. So I saw this with my siblings when I was probably eight or nine so would have put it around 89 or 90 okay and i remember it because of certain scenes I mean, they stand out especially when you're that young and it was more geared towards that audience to begin with this is more of a not necessarily that it's a kid's horror because it's not but it's geared towards maybe like that tween age like I 12 mean, 13 14 Especially sure. upon rewatching this movie a couple times, it's like, oh, this is almost a movie designed to be like someone's first horror film. I can see that. Yeah, and like I said, we've seen it at an early age. Now, mind you, this wasn't like the penultimate of horror films for me no. at that age. Like, I'd seen way worse shit. You've already mentioned several of them. I saw horror films a lot younger than I should have. So yeah. Probably starting around four or five. Right. With like A Nightmare on Elm Street and Evil Dead and stuff like that, so... Anyway, yeah, I did see this film growing up, so I'm very familiar with it. I just hadn't seen it in so long because of the fact that I just remember it not being as scary. Mm-hmm. It just had certain scenes that stood out. But, I mean, I'm so glad we were visiting because it's it's a solid film. Yeah, hell yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely saw it growing up. I think I saw it on, like, maybe it might have been Sanguli. Right. I remember the levitation scene. Nice. Okay. That's the only thing that I remember, and I think that might have been the only scene that I really saw. Right. And then I rented it again with some friends, like, later on in life, and, uh, I mean, again, like, you know, you got like, this sort of, like, underlying heavy metal theme in the movie, mm-hmm. and I think that's why we ended up renting it. And, nice. Uh, saw it again many years later, and I think I had a much uh, bigger appreciation for it, but, um, yeah, I definitely ran across it, like, in my childhood years. Yeah, so, yeah, my first time was, like, four months ago or whatever it was, so, and now I've seen the movie, like, six or seven times. I've watched it, and, I mean, I dig it. The one thing I found interesting, though, is I always, the movie always seemed to be described as, like, kids use metal to open a doorway to hell. Right, right. The metal doesn't come in until the doorway's kind of open. Right. They accidentally do it beforehand. Yeah. Which, I kind of like that they do it accidentally. That's one of my notes. I'm like, oh, this is fun. Like... How fucked up is it that you can accidentally complete a ritual to fucking open up a doorway to hell? But I was almost a little disappointed because I'm like, oh, I kind of wanted metal to be the thing to open the door. Yeah. But I mean, Danny, I know you like hard music. I'm kind of in between, but we have Donnie coming in, patched out. 
What would you play to open a doorway to hell? Oof. Probably some, like, good satanic Finnish black metal, like Horna and Sargeist. Nice. Um, yeah. Or maybe even uh, some King Diamond and Merciful Fate, you know? Venom. I, uh... <laughs> Kit's got a Venom patch in the movie. Dude, a badass Venom patch, too. <laughs> yeah. Like, when he first turns around and you see it, it's like, whoa, dude, like... <laughs> I don't even think I've seen that patch like anywhere else but in this movie. Nice. It's, I don't know, it's weird. So, uh, I mean, I guess while we're kind of on the topic, like me, when there's a movie that involves metal, is part of you always just sort of like scanning over it, being like, let's see if they know their shit. Oh, hell yeah, definitely. Because <laughs> <laughs> I know TV shows, I think, tend to get it the worst off. Yeah. Movies are kind of 50-50. It's it's usually almost every time it's cringy. Oh yeah. You know, but it, in I, some way or another, like you'll have like oh the goth kids, but then it's a bunch of kids like death meddlers. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it's I don't know, man. It's just you can just tell that it's written by people that really aren't. They're sort of just casuals, you know. They don't really like. <laughs> it's like it's just almost always cringy. Mm-hmm. The depiction of you know metal people in movies, but I like Terry. Yeah, I, I thought he was fucking great. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's, he's a fun character. Yeah, hell yeah. Yeah, I mean, overall it seemed legit. I saw Eddie in the background. I'm like, yeah, dude, <laughs> he's got some killer like Eddie. I think he's got some Slayer posters up on his wall. Right, you got the throwing it in for the the Canadian heavy metal with the killer dwarfs. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's <laughs> pretty awesome. Yeah, well, you know, uh, the movie is Canadian, Canadian. exactly, yep. and actually the Sacrifix logo um, on the LP that he has. You know, the same logo from a uh, Canadian thrash speed metal band, Sacrifice. Yeah, yeah. It's like almost like the exact same logo, so I don't know if they had some sort of tie-in and borrowed that logo. I or think what. they might have, because I feel like there's a scene later in the movie where they didn't change it to Sacrifix. Oh, I really? I thought I saw a fuck-up really? later in the movie. Okay. But I'm not positive. I would have to comb <laughs> through it one more time. But okay. I think when you get the, the like, brief second of it being open before it bursts into flames way late in the movie when sure. they're trying to banish the demons I think it just straight up says sacrifice <laughs> <laughs> they didn't want to burn like the actual prop so they just bought a sacrifice out like, yeah. <laughs> I might be wrong though because it's only on screen for a split second before that thing huh. fucking right. grows up in flames but I was like what the fuck <laughs> I thought it was sacrifice okay whatever <laughs> Here's something I've noticed a little bit about film shot in Canada, especially with horror films, is we've done like Nightbreed, and there's always something to do with like underground and uh, unleashing demons or yeah. creatures. <laughs> so there's something to be said maybe about Canada I didn't know about prior to all these films. But uh, yeah, I thought it was kind of neat too. Is Stephen Dorff, I wanted to mention this, was kind of interesting. A few months back, I was hanging out with Jordan Bonsanto, mm-hmm. and... We were, for whatever reason, we were high. That was one of the reasons. But we started watching, like, these uh, commercials from the, like, the 70s and 80s. Like, shit we grew up watching. And one of the commercials had Stephen Dorff in it. And it was, like, an M&M's commercial where he's in the dugout. And I was like, hold on, wait a minute. It's like, I've just seen The Gate. And he's super young. But he's even younger in this commercial. It's like, yeah, that's a kind of a precursor. And then now seeing him in all these other films, you know, it's, it's kind of funny. But, uh. Yeah, it's like I was mentioning the Jordan. It's like, yeah, there he is. There's Stephen Dorff. The commercials. <laughs> I mean, right, e-cigs. For sure. 
partially because of the time period I grew up, he's always going to be Deacon Frost from Blade to me. Uh-huh. Right on. I was like, let me think. Blade came out in what, like 98, 99? So I was like 11, 12. Yeah. That was like the coolest thing you could ever ha- fucking have in the world is well, Wesley yeah, Snipes throwing that goddamn blade around the room and killing all the vampires yeah. that they had in the trailers and right. shit. And so I was all about that. And then it was like, oh, cool. So this is who Steven Dorff is. He's <laughs> always going to be this character. That's so awesome. seeing him in this was really weird for me. I'm like, oh, look at little baby Steven Dorff. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. then. I don't know, a part of me, just the way he looks, I'm like, oh, this kid could just as easily grow up into looking like Kevin Bacon, but I know he doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pretty fun. You know, I talked about, like, certain scenes that jumped out, especially as a kid, and just remembering Terry going into the actual hole and, mm-hmm. you know, encountering, like, the minions and all that stuff. And then, of course, later on in the film, you get the big minion. So those were some of the scenes I remembered. And then going back and watching it and... Like said, seeing, like with Stephen Dorff's character, he was really big into rockets and shit. And they didn't use NASA, but they were letting you know they were into that kind of stuff, space and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Upon rewatch, I'm like, oh, this kid's room is totally spaced out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh, shit. Like, they wanted us to know, like, oh, no, he's not the metal kid. His friend is the metal kid. Right. Exactly. <laughs> but it's funny because I he's feel the like... nerdy kid that hangs out with the metal kid because they're probably both outcasts at school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I felt like. Stephen Dorff's character, he and his sister pretty much, and Terry, of course, are the leads, but I think they want you to focus more on him, even though it's like, I didn't identify with him at all, because he was a little whiny in this film. So like, oh, this is a little whiny bitch, Stephen Dorff in this yeah. film. <laughs> so, I felt like, like I said, it felt more like Terry would have been the cool kid. You know what, he might be a little whiny bitch, but at least he doesn't try opening a geode like complete puss. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I don't know about you guys, but he was just like, tink, 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 tink. I'm like, just, just fucking whack it. It's a rock. <laughs> That's funny. It always reminded me of the, um, the meteor uh, segment of Creep Show. Yeah. Um, meteor shit. You know? <laughs> uh, kind of had like a similar thing going on there. But he was a whiny bitch, uh, Stephen Dorff's character, but he did have a great comeback line in... Uh, Suck my nose yeah. till my na- face caves in. Is that it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Suck my nose till my face caves in. Well, uh, we talked about some of the PC things that you can't say. You know, yeah, and you can still say that. Yeah, you can't say a couple of the other things he said. But says, I was like, but, man, that yeah. was totally the eighties because I would have yeah. probably been saying the same shit around that time. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, I like the lead into him saying that is one of the Lee sisters. Like he's probably in there doing some faggy stuff. Oh right, right for sure. Yeah, it's like oh well, yeah, okay. It's definitely the eighties, <laughs> right? Well, he gets in a couple. Whenever he he has it out with with one of the older kids, yeah, yeah, like they right. give him some good lines or like just witty shit. Somebody knock her out again. Like <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Now, the, the writing is clever in this. I mean, even for the focus being on the kids, but. What I understood is the writer for this, Nankin, like he said leading into the storytelling was like he was going through a really dark phase in his life. Like he had moved back in with his parents. He was going through a divorce and he just, you know, kind of reminiscing, stewing, trying to figure out what he wanted to do. And he just recalled certain stories, you know, growing up with his friend. And he said, uh, Terry, the character in the film is based off his friend, Terry, and uh, even, like, some of the stuff about the workmen, like, he said that was one of the first things that kid told him when they met each other. Huh. He's like, yeah, you know, before you moved in, there was a guy, did construction, he's in your walls. <laughs> he's like, what the hell? But he just recalled stuff like that, and 
trying to get back in touch with you know like innocence and what actually scared you whereas this is a different type of scare like right. this is like adult stupid shit scared kind of stuff but long story short he said he wrote it a lot more dark than what eventually got made there was a lot of the characters supposed to be killed off <laughs> like, like uh, both the Lee sisters yeah I was like it's yeah, I could see both of them dying yeah pretty easy oh yeah I mean, <laughs> I mean was, easy throwaways I suppose the dog's death was pretty harsh though yeah they laid on pretty thick it's throughout the film it, it, yeah. it was a a fucked up like trick that they were pulling on the kid because right, right. they pull him in with his mom and that's already heartfelt right. and then they throw the dog at him <laughs> right <Yeah. laughs> Damn, that's sick, man. Yeah, Dude, definitely. That's almost directly one of my notes, because I'm like, this movie seems like the perfect intro point for kids, except, like, you're leading off with a dead dog. Like, <laughs> yeah. Ooh, that's and a- then they keep bringing it up, like, at least three or four times. But <laughs> even though they keep bringing it up, there was one thing that sort of threw me off. I'm like, so, they both went through that weird night, and they know that crazy shit's happening, but... It kind of seemed to me like Stephen Dorff was a little bit cooler with his friend accidentally killing his dog than, like, yeah. I can think of, like, anybody would be. Like, yeah. even if I knew it was crazy shit, I think I'd be like, dude, I think we're going to need some time apart for a couple weeks while I kind of deal with the fact that you just killed my dog. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no. I think the, the throwaway line that they had, he was like, oh, oh yeah. He's kind of old. Like, he's, like, he's like 98 or whatever. Yeah, oh, really? <laughs> dog years. And he's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> but... It kind of fixes that. It's, it's just kind of funny. But you're right, that's heavy. That's some heavy stuff. Yeah. One thing I thought was kind of neat is his sister in the film, Stephen Dorff's sister in the film, she was kind of a cool character too because even though she was hanging out with her girlfriends and stuff, she was still, you know, worried about him. She got him the rocket, of course, at the end. Right. Or towards the end. It's like, that's that's pretty cool. You well, I kind really of liked by the end of the movie too. She's just like, you know, how about you guys go with the guys? Like, yeah, you guys kind of are taking the shit that we just went through seriously. I kind of don't want to deal with you right now. <laughs> you can go get railed by these assholes. You're getting drunk fucking sure. high yeah. schoolers. She and... stays true to her, to her little brother. Yeah, yeah, I thought that that was cool. You don't necessarily see that a lot with siblings written in films like this. So For sure. That was kind of neat. Yeah, I like that too. So if I was at that fucking party... <laughs> and I see somebody get successfully levitated. <laughs> I don't think I'm blowing it off as much as they did, but also, like, I'm trying to make money off that shit, right? Like, if you just saw levitation actually happen, like, aren't you spending the rest of the night levitating the rest of your friends? <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, do that's... me next, do me next. Yeah, I mean, that kind of follows the logic, right? I was just like, but it just happened. Like, you just saw him. He was floating. Like, this wasn't, like, normal fucking light as a board, stiff as a better fucking feather. Or yeah, exactly. other way around. Light as a board, stiff as a feather. But <laughs> <laughs> fucking other way around. Scratch the scratch out. Reverse it. Um, I don't know. I, I was just like, fucking, I'm doing that all night. Fuck you guys. Yeah. Like, you guys can go back to your drinking. I'm going to see what else I can levitate around the room. <laughs> How about a- this old school big ass TV? <laughs> That was a really neat scene, though. I mean, the build-up to all of that stuff, just the kid telling the story, mm-hmm. and then, of course, them, you know, doing party tricks at that age and stuff. Yeah, and then, <laughs> then Dorf getting lifted up and getting spooked. Putting his head through the chandelier. Yeah, <laughs> that was good. It was good stuff. Even the afterwards, you know, they're getting him out of his room because he's embarrassed and all that stuff. Sharing stories, getting pantsed and uh, puking on some oh, kid. Right. You know. So, I mean, like I so said, the, the writing, I felt, was really neat. Mm-hmm. How they're tying it. And making it believable, too. You know, it's not just hokey. 
So how bad do you guys think that chick would have got ragged on <laughs> if the levitation wouldn't have worked? Uh, oh, yeah. With how bad she was pushing that shit. Oh, my God, yeah. She was so certain. It's <laughs> <laughs> so like, yeah, I'm not going to do that again. <laughs> do it to sell. Yeah, that was pretty cool. That was some good stuff. So, lately, I'm sure you guys have noticed. I mean, it's not like it's something you can't notice. <laughs> Fucking, some of this retro fashion is coming back around again. Yeah. Which is weird, because I'm like, I'm watching this movie from like 30 years ago, and I'm seeing some of these motherfuckers out here wearing the same thing. Do you think it was done better originally or now? I'm not a big fan of 80s fashion to begin with, but... Right. But there's something to be said about it, too. It's It was kind of carefree. You could throw shit together, and it was fashionable, I suppose. You can get away with it. Now it's it's like trendy. It's almost... Like kind of yeah. like pulling the pants up way high. Yeah, and just sort of overall, there's sort yeah. of just like a retro thing going on. And, right. And I mean, and we're seeing it across the board, because we also have Synthwave coming in, which is... Yeah, it, Obviously, 80s as fuck. I'm loving the synthwave. Dude, I fucking what, love the synthwave. What I, what I do like about it, though, is you got to think, like, for people like us growing up during that time period, it's, it's like anything else. We're reminiscing back mm-hmm. with what we got in touch with. Sure. You know, so it's, I mean, in a cool way, it's kind of neat because you can reminisce not only memories, but, you know, you can visually see it when people are, like, bringing that shit back. Mm-hmm. It's like, I don't mind it. It was cool going through it as a kid because you don't realize the larger picture at hand at that time. But, you know, it's nice seeing other people get into it, I suppose. Or at least, you know, paying homage, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. I guess it's maybe influenced a lot, too, by, like, stuff like Stranger Things. Yeah, mm-hmm. this absolutely. This resurgence of, like, an 80s-influenced, you know, music and movies. And it's, I guess, maybe just bleeding its way into fashion, you know? Yeah. I don't know. I'm still mixed on it. Who did it better, though? I don't, I don't know. That's the thing. Cause like, I see some of the shit that these kids do yeah. that's like with a retro fashion. And I think back, because like it's starting to ver- verge on like 90s, which I'm a little bit more familiar yeah, with, right? Yeah, for sure. And I look at it, and I'm like, if you motherfuckers would have wore that back then, you would have got your ass kicked, because you look like a fool. You're just throwing like everything that stands out from the commercials from back then into one thing, rather than the organic version that it was. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. It was it was a, a, a weird time too. But I mean, being a kid, it, it wasn't that bad, right? You know, I don't know. So eighties. I'm gonna say. <laughs> I suppose I'll say eighties. How much of a dumbass do you have to be to try to bury the dog right where there's obviously construction work going yeah. on? <laughs> <laughs> it is, you know. Yeah. I. <laughs> like oh shit. Can't drop it off at the animal shelter. <laughs> well, there's already a hole here. Convenience <laughs> factor, right? Have either of you guys ever tried to listen to Backmass lyrics? You know what's funny is when I was in high school, a friend of mine had a cassette tape of what was supposed of like Led Zeppelin songs being played backwards. Okay. And you could hear like it was hard to make out and but you could definitely hear some weird sort of some crazy shit. Here. Yeah, I mean, I honestly can't remember what the voices were saying. I don't even know if it was real, but I think that was really the only time I ever encountered anything like that. I remember it creeping me out. Mm. It was all like, Aah! you know, and then like all of a sudden you hear like worship or something. Mm-hmm. You know, Satan, you know, it was, but it was like, it was real crude sounding. It wasn't like super clear, you know, but, but yeah, I don't know. Danny? I never really encountered it. I mean, we've all, I won't say we all, but my friends and I, we've tried it, you know, and stuff, but 
nothing ever concrete. But I think it was just the intrigue of seeing it in film and stuff at that time. It's like, oh, maybe there is something to it. But yeah, never had any luck. I never tried it on anything like hard that was supposed to have like worship Satan in it <laughs> in the background. I was huge into the uh, Paul McCartney's Dead conspiracy. Oh, uh, I and so know I've that. I've ran Revolution Nine backwards. I, I used to have on a burn CD where I, I took the MP3 into Goldwave back in the day and <laughs> flipped it. And back to back on the CD, it would play it forward and then go straight into it playing it backwards to try to hear like the Paul is dead mun and stuff <laughs> like that. It's fucking creepy, some of the shit. But yeah, it is. I mean, I don't know. I don't give a shit if Paul McCartney's been dead since 1969 or not, but... <laughs> That's funny. It was real. I did convince quite a few people that he has been dead, though, so that was fun. <laughs> How about the fucking effects with the parents' faces? Yeah, that oh, was man. good. It was very uh, Evil Dead. No, I felt yeah, I felt that too. Even a little bit of a Nightmare on Elm Street with the way they were doing the effects on the wall. Right. You know, I thought that was really cool. I think there were some nods to a little bit more mature horror films from that time period. Totally. Incorporating some of that stuff, which is neat. Some of the guys, too, worked on it. I mentioned earlier is... One of the guys talked about, was it Dick Smith and like Rick Baker and all these other guys? Um, he said he got some of the ideas for like the Minions and the Workmen from some of their works, like in the Bogman. Mm. So he said he didn't really want to create just a typical zombie like character. He said that's been done a million times. Mm. So they just wanted to do something a little bit more practical. There was an effect that was used. I mean, it's just kind of a little neat bit, but. He said when you first encounter the workman when he falls out of the wall and he blows that little puff of what looks like, you know, dust or whatever. He said in order to create the effect, to make it look real. Cocaine? Uh, close. <laughs> no, he said he wanted the, the actor just to take a, a puff of a cigarette and then when he comes out, just exhale oh, it out. Okay. Yeah, so it's like little touches like that were kind of neat. Even nice. with um, like the minions falling over and stuff. They talked about how they did all that stuff. But yeah, the, the guys did a lot of really interesting stuff. Cause, I agree. I think yeah. the effects in this movie are excellent. Yeah, I mean, they Super even cool. hold up 30-something years later, dude. It's I was so surprised by how well all those little minions held up. All the little, And then the big demon. The yeah. big demon was dope. <laughs> yeah. He said they had to sculpt that for, like, he said something like four or five months. Just sculpting all that shit. He said one of the arms broke, so he had to re-sculpt it. <laughs> Yeah. Well, wasn't the one of the effects guys? Uh, he went on to do like Lord of the Rings and. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, I, there's I can't a remember big his name, but I think he did uh, Ghostbusters too. And it's what's cool is like you kind of see like some similar animation mm. style with the the demon dog thing yeah. from Ghostbusters, and then like the boss creature at the end of the gate. Uh, I mean, two completely different characters, but just the animation style. You could, it's almost got that. No, that, that's in, you, know, you know that's that's fun, funny you say that. Or not funny, but it's. It's neat because that's what he said. He said he he thought he could recreate some Harry and stuff, but he's like, I'm not Harry Housen. I'm just, <laughs> yeah, I'm me. I just have to use what I know. Oh, fucking Harry and shit, though. Grew up on that. Fucking, me too, man, yeah. for sure. Whenever they do like marathons on like TBS and Jason and the Argonauts, yeah, yeah. For sure. Golden Fleece. The Sinbad films. Oh, yeah. Seventh Voyage. Yeah. My uncle used to watch that a lot, and uh, he's a sculptor, so he. Oh, did some of the sculptures and the creatures from it. It was really cool. Oh, awesome. Yeah. I kept meaning to look it up. I don't suppose either of you looked up to see what that movie that they were playing in the background when they're like, oh, it's all over with. Let's go watch TV. Because it kind of looked like something way more fucked up than those kids should be watching. 
Did you guys remember. notice at all? It looked like it yeah. might have been like Hannibal Ferro. Really? <laughs> yeah. It looked like it was definitely a cannibal movie, and I was like, nobody else is catching this, are they? Like, yeah. they're saying that these kids are going and watching some super fucked up horror right now. It's like, that's nothing compared to what we just went through. I don't know. I, I, I can't confirm that that's what it was because I forgot to actually look it up. That's but I, I made know. a note where I was like, those look like villagers, and like, they're in the water, and they're like throwing spears at them and shit. Wow. And I'm like, Mm, they yeah, might be watching some be fucked up shit. Yeah. <laughs> Off mic earlier, I, I already asked you, Danny, but did you guys see the sequel? Because I haven't seen the sequel. I was actually talking to someone at work recently about the sequel, and he had seen it, and uh, he just mentioned a couple things like about it, and how it, I guess it's it's not anywhere near as good. But I guess the main character is Terry. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. he's the only character that carries over to the sequel. And I guess it's the same actor too. Yeah, same actor. We briefly mentioned that too, um, like before I got here. I watched an interview because I was trying to try not to fuck up the director's name because it's not an easy one to pull yeah, off. Yeah, for sure. But some of the guys that were talking about it, they also worked with the effects in the second film as well, and they showed like a, a clip they were working on. But long story short, it's like, oh, there's there's Terry. He's back in the film, and we also mentioned that Pamela Adlon is in the film because. Some of the voice acting she does we're familiar with, but she was like Bobby Hill, oh, King okay. of the Hill. Oh, yeah, right on. She was in Californication and okay. stuff like that. So, super Spinelli young. Spinelli on Recess. Yeah, it's really oh. cool. Came out in 1990. So by then, for me, like 1990, I don't think I was quite into these type of films. I've already seen stuff that was far outdid in terms of spook factor and whatnot. Sure. I mean, this is just, a, it's a good film overall, but... It's fun. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you're not fun pushing film. any boundaries except unless you don't like dead dogs. Yeah. And Angus comes back at the end. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there is some... some I mean, who know, knows for how long he's an old dog. <laughs> he's an old dog. <laughs> but at least, yeah. 97 years old, man. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'd like to smell you when you're 97. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That geode scene. That was the one other thing, like... There's not much shit out here, because, like, I grew up in the small towns out west here, and, like, my little town, so there's not... Like, the nicest restaurant in town when we were going to go try to, like, be fancy was the one that catered to tourists and had, like, a gift shop. So, as a kid, like, you'd eat your food, and then it was one of the only places in town that had toys, and so you would go hang out in the gift shop of, like, the tourist trap restaurant. (laughs) And so when they were like, oh, shit, like, we're going to be rich, look at this shit, I'm like, you're going to get, like, 20 bucks for that. (laughs) Even that size, I'm like, I... I'm sorry, kids. Even when I was a kid, I know that you ain't getting shit for that geode. <laughs> I, I think go Terry, buy one of those right now. Terry even mentions in the film as they're like cracking up, he's like, "I'm gonna be rich." Yeah, well, yeah, you it's ain't like a hundred bucks. You said that we were gonna get, but yeah. I was like, "Well, that is hundred bucks Canadian. That is kind of rich in the '80s." <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. No, I mean, Goodbye they were up in Canada. What if they were getting a hundred bucks American at the time? That's, yeah, then. I'm just saying it's, it's that's a nice return. <laughs> Some of the things I think I liked in the film, there were some neat uses of foreshadowing. You know, it was kind of on the nose, but, like, you know, they show you a rocket and the fact that, you know, it has significance with the kid. It winds up, you know, saving them at the end. It's kind of a weird touch with the actual fireworks going off. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I was like, I didn't know that killing demons came with its own firework display, but... Uh Yeah, it's pretty cool. But, yeah, even, like, uh, with the kid we talked about, too, like... He finds out one of the heavy metal albums he's listening to. What they're actually telling him is what the fuck is going on. 
and I found it kind of odd. Well, I mean, not necessarily odd, but it was kind of weird that they would throw in, like, just throw the fucking Bible at it. <laughs> <laughs> just pick any passage, read out of it, and just throw that, whatever. <laughs> oh, my. I did love the fact that they're like, these things are older than the Bible, and they're just like, do you have any better idea? <laughs> like, we're facing demons. Like, let's do it. Fucking whatever. And I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, I don't put much stock behind it, but like, if a literal demon's in front of me, then, yeah, I guess you got. If I have a Bible you know. in reach, I'm going to throw my fucking Bible at it for sure. <laughs> you never know. I was like, ah, that's a little weird, but yeah, whatever. It's, it was cool. Do you guys have anything else from this movie? I don't have much else written down. I've been going through a lot of my points already, and you guys have already been. No, I mean, like some of my it's a, it's a pretty simple film to follow. Like the thing that stood out watching it, you know, now as an adult compared to watching it back then, is certain concepts and ideas don't really stick or hit home quite as well now because you know we've done this for a while, you and I, Tyler, and you know you've seen lots of films as well, so you kind of see how these things come about, whether it's foreshadowing or like little hints here and there to kind of spell out things. It didn't hit home, that film, except back in mm-hmm. the 80s, but it's like, I enjoy this film. I'm not afraid to show like my nephews. They've seen far worse, but it, it is a good introduction, perhaps, for people who are kids who want to get into the films, you know? I wholeheartedly agree. Um, yeah, it's entertaining, man. Like I said, it still holds weight. Yeah. I, ooh, the foreshadowing actually just reminded me of, I didn't realize till like my third time of like the seven in the past four months of watching this movie that the blood scrawled on the top of the stairs is literally just showing him poking the eye out of his hand. Hmm. Yeah, even with, with like that, that extra <laughs> sketch they have, like mm-hmm. all, all right. that stuff starts appearing, you know, it's kind of foreshadowing the events to happen. That eye in the hand was dope too. That was really neat. The guy who did the effects, he said that he used his hand you know, and just the little eye and all the poking and stuff. But like I so said, the effects in this were really neat, man. Yeah. They did a really good job. I like the uh, the arm of the one creature getting closed in the door, and then when it sort of falls off, it turns into maggots yeah. and they'll crawl around. Oh, yeah. And then the one sister faints. You just hear her, the sound of her body thudding to the roof. Yeah. <laughs> I, That's, I, I think if you have an appreciation of movies like Goonies, where like a bunch of misfit kids like sort of go on like a kooky adventure with each other, meets like movies like maybe Critters or like yeah. Goonies. Yeah. Like Little Creatures versus the Goonies. That's how I would sort of like... That's that movie in a nutshell for me, The Gate. So, do you guys think we'll ever get the remake of this that was proposed? Because Alex Winter, Alex Winter yeah. of Bill and Ted remade this movie in 3D. What? Yeah, yeah. I don't know how finished it is, but since wow. like since like 2011. Yeah, I was reading some information about I that because no I idea about that. I had heard about the proposed plan, and and I was thinking at the time too. I showed Riley. The film Freaked. I don't know if you're familiar with that one. Alex. Alex Winter did that. And it's from that time period, like early 90s, it was MTV kind of inspired. So you had this weird kind of graphics and, you know, just shit you kind of grew up with. It kind of makes me wonder how much of that he would have used, mm. perhaps in the gate. Like, he does some bizarre stuff. I mean, he shot videos for the Butthole Surfers and like some early Red Hot Chili Pepper videos. Yeah. So, I mean, he's pretty eclectic. Do you think maybe we'll get it if Bill and Ted 3 is successful? Perhaps. I don't see why not. And we've already talked about the resurgence of like 80s, whether it's in film or music, etc. I can see that having a resurgence. Yeah. 
This would be a good one. To- would you guys want to watch an Alex Winter, The Gate? <laughs> I'd be up for it, man, yeah. yeah. For sure. <laughs> I mean, as weird as it might sound, it's like, hell yeah. I know I mean, his film work. It's it has me decent. just as intrigued as a Chris Rock saw, so. Yeah. <laughs> Is there any word on the actors, like who's in it? Or? Not, not from my nursing, I'm not sure. Probably Alex Winter. <laughs> <laughs> Keanu Reeves. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, if, it, if it Keanu was in it, like, I'm watching it all day long. Keanu is Terry. <laughs> I'd be up for it. Keanu I mean, is the big Canadian. demon. Your, that's, that's your Canadian tie right there. Yeah. Just Keanu is the demon, just like blown up CGI. Just. <laughs> I'd be up for it. But no, I thought that was kind of neat. It's like gets hit by the rocket. Whoa. <laughs> the Matrix dodges it. Look at woo. And you get to dodge this with Terry from the side with his second rocket and just... There you go. <laughs> I see. But yeah, like I said, overall I, I enjoyed it. Some interesting things, like to just doing a little research and just the way it, the film plays out too. is like I, I never felt like it was hokey. Like certain parts of, you know, you can feel the time period that it was in, but it's just a, a solid film. It's fun. Yeah. Soundtrack's decent. Like I said, some of the stuff growing up and then seeing played back, like some of the jokes, some of the retorts they have. It's like, yeah, it's, some people won't, won't get it. This is nice. Nice to reminisce about that. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to wrap this back. Just I noticed one last note I made, and I'm going to wrap it way back around to the beginning when we were talking about the metal aspect. How deep in it do you think he would have had to been in 88 or 87 to have that Venom patch? Pretty, pretty deep, I would say. Right, like I can't see an eleven-year-old getting a venom patch in eighty-seven very easily. Like, no, for sure. Well, it's like, and in Canada, no less. Right. I mean, Canada had a pretty thriving metal scene in the eighties, but like, yeah, I don't know. I think that was the most impressive part to me. (laughs) Somebody was definitely the no. Yeah, yeah. Somebody. I'm curious who on the set was like the one that was like. Oh no, we're throwing this in. I'm gonna pull this out of my garage. Right. right. <laughs> it's weird when you see interviews with because I was on my version of it on Blu-ray. Uh, there's like interviews with like the crew and stuff now, and no one really mentions the metal aspect of the, the movie. And and I always wondered like how that kind of came to be, and you can never find any information on that. Right. I mean, it's weird too because this is one of those movies that when people are talking about metal in horror movies like Deathgasm or like Lords of Salem or something like this is another movie that gets brought up all the time even though it's mostly incidental and nobody really talks about it yeah yeah for sure (laughs) yeah I mean but it is one of the most important aspects because it reveals they wouldn't know what to do otherwise yeah exactly it spells things out and I even like it because it does it, it literally spells things out with the demons and there has to be sacrifices and like that's all the series of events that are happening, so, yeah. I maybe that's me too. Maybe that's the true takeaway of this movie for children, is that metal is informative. <laughs> maybe it is. Like, when you're in a pickle, grab, a, grab whatever recent metal you've been listening to. That's right. I have a message in it. <laughs> You'll be good to go. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, this is another fun one, too. Like, we did Trick or Treat oh, last year, yep. so that was another nice. metal one. Yeah, so... That's another thing. I remember that time period, too, with certain metal-themed films because there was still a little bit of that satanic panic, even in the 80s. So that's kind of interesting. I wonder if maybe that was a play on that, too, 
for the 80s. Perhaps. Oh, and putting the kids in a satanic situation? Yeah, and then using, like, the the panic, throw the Bible at it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good metaphor for the panic. Just, all right, these kids are into the devil, let's throw the Bible at this. <laughs> How fucked do you think they are in the end when the, the parents show back oh, up? Oh, yeah, that, right. house. that house is fucking wrecked. Yeah. I feel like most movies that have something happen like this, especially when it's centered around the kids, like some miraculous good thing happens at the end so they don't get completely like grounded for the rest of their lives <laughs> by their parents. They did not get this at the end. Is, maybe that's the reason Terry's the only one that comes back. <laughs> yeah, they do. Yeah. I mean, the dad was... You know, tossing back a little wine at the beginning, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It kind of seemed a little, I don't know, a little iffy. I did like the opening sequence, too. I thought that was kind of neat, that dream sequence he had. Oh, yeah. I was going to... That s- was a good sequence. That's the only thing in, like, the first third of this movie that, like, hints at the fact that it's a horror movie. Yeah. Otherwise, it could be, like, any other... Like, kind of like the Goonies or something, like you mentioned earlier. Like, yeah, it you can just, like, stumble a upon kid's it. adventure movie. Right, right. And then you're like, oh, never mind, this is demons. <laughs> right. Oh, that dog just died. That's no good. That's kind of interesting, too. I, was it ever explained, like, what fed him those dreams? What made him have those dreams to begin with? Right, because technically the doorway wasn't cracked yet, right? Not yet, just about to be. But I mean, like, I guess forces that strong, they didn't really need, like, it was, all yeah. it was was a tree stump. You know? Right. They were starting to tinker with him. Maybe they knew what was to come, and they were like, this is when we must... Well, I mean, the stars were aligned. The time was right. Oh, yeah, Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It was prophesized. (laughs) In accordance with the prophecy, this little kid (laughs) levitated at his sister's high school party. (laughs) It's all spelled out. (laughs) It's really weird. The prophecy was that specific, but... (laughs) Shit, I really enjoyed this. I'm glad... We were able to get you on, Donnie. Yeah, I yeah, want you on again awesome. for something else, too. Like, this is a fun movie. This is awesome. We got to talk some about metal. Yeah. But yeah. I know that you're into all sorts of fucking horror movies. You love the fucking folk horror like we do. Oh, absolutely. We've been digging on that shit, especially this, like, past year, it seems like. Has, yeah, we've I've really been telling been him about home. this. Have you heard of Hagazusa by any chance? I don't think I have, to be honest. Okay. Uh, I'm going to send you guys the trailer. Yeah. I actually, it's another one. I just went ahead and bought the Blu-ray because the trailer looks... So a lot of the reviews on IMDb uh, compared to The Witch. Okay. And it's a European, like, pagan folk sort of scenario. It's right up our alley. It's, dude, it looks awesome. How about we do this? We're all in the room right now. I have a computer right here. Let's pause the recording, watch the trailer together, and react to it. There you go. Maybe we can get everybody to watch this movie. Yeah. Yeah, hell yeah. I'm done. All right, we just watched the Hagazusa trailer. (laughs) I think it's safe to say we're probably going to end up watching that movie. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, I think it's safe to say we'll probably end up covering it for the show. That looked awesome. <laughs> I don't know about you. Maybe I'm speaking out of turn. No, no, no. I, <laughs> yeah, that looked really good. And can kind of already see certain things. <laughs> it looks like. folky. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, strongly recommend it, especially if uh, people are into folk horror. Especially with the current rash of folk horror films as well. Yeah. Fits right in that mold. Good, because it's great. Yeah. Um, so yeah, as soon as we do it, you're invited back for yeah, sure. Yeah, for sure. Cool. Awesome. I've I've owned the movie for several weeks now, but I I have a couple buddies that I watch movies with, and we haven't been able to get together to watch it. So uh, I'll try and line it up for the. So we can yeah, no rushes. Like so, whenever you're ready and comfortable. Awesome, yeah. kick ass. Yeah. Yeah, it looks. It almost looks like The Witch meets November. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <You know>? that's <laughs> kind of what I was thinking. Yeah. yeah.
there was little bits in there that even reminded me a little bit. Yeah, I was going to say, no, you already mentioned November. Yeah. Yeah. Look, November-y, look witchy. Wow. Yeah, definitely. It, it looked really pretty, too. Yeah. And I have a feeling a few of those sequences are a lot trippier than you get to see in the trailer. The, yeah, I think her her wading into that pond seemed like there was something different going on than just... Like, that almost seems like it's part of a dream sequence or something. Sure. Even just from that trailer. I have no idea because I haven't seen it, but... The uh, hand approaching her throat, it looked like maybe they were, like, sleeping in the woods or something, and she was, like, waking up to something approaching her or something. I don't mm -hmm. know. That was a very unsettling <laughs> scene right there. Yeah. And just the snake. Yeah. That too. Yeah, I felt like this film was probably yeah, make you feel a little unsettled. Yeah. And the quotes over top sort of hinted at it, but... Definitely looks slow burn, but in a really good way. So. Yeah, it's like, I don't mind that, because, you know, the payoffs are usually right where you want them. Right. Yeah, and I, pretty much every review on IMDb, they mention the witch in it. Like, when you love the witch, you're going to love Hagazusa, so... Okay. Cool. Well, we love the witch. <laughs> yeah, yeah that my, was... There's my black fill-up. Yeah, I was like, that was one that was recommended to us, and that was a strong recommendation. Yeah. Thank, thanks again, Michelle, if you're yeah. still listening. <laughs> but yeah, we're big fans. Black oh, Phillip. Yeah. Ah, I need to get more Black Phillip in here, actually. <laughs> but There's some killer witch posters out there that I've seen. Yeah. I want them all. <laughs> I know. They're, we've barely done anything, but gradually this room is going to fill up. Oh, yeah. Nice. Got the sort of shining. Got the geezer artwork up top. Kick ass, man. On the ELO album. <laughs> <laughs> or no, not ELO. ELP. Emerson, Lake, and Palmer, not Electric Light Orchestra. <laughs> <laughs> well, shit, I think, I mean, I've said all I can have to say about The Gate. I don't know about you guys. You guys, any any last thoughts on baby Stephen Dorff? <laughs> <laughs> not necessarily. Uh, no, the only uh, other thing that I could probably contribute, just listening to some of the special effects guys talk about, there's a scene they used with the workman where the sister throws her little jam box at him. Oh. He falls to the floor and the minions come out. So the way they pull that off is they used a um, just kind of a mold of the upper body of the workman. They're like, yeah, we were going to let Carl get hit in the face with fucking <laughs> jam box. So he said, but what they did was they put the kids, Stephen Dorff and uh, Krista Denton, on a raised platform because they use a lot of force perspective in the film. Mm -hmm. um, but they raised them up and just like a little board or whatever they could stand on but about 12 feet up to give you that perspective and so what they did was there was an empty floor just a stage floor below and they dropped that workman's body and then they outlined where he would have fallen and then they composited the minions and he said they grabbed like just some local he's at kids but they were probably like you know 17 18 19 years old and put them in rubber suits so they got in place where the workman would have been when they say cue or you know jump up, they all jumped up and just kind of moved around. And okay. they did that with Terry as well. So most of all of it, at least what the minions were, practical effects. It was just forced perspective. Maybe outside, of course, the big minion is where you get right. more, you know the visual effects. But it's still neat use of compositing. And still the only thing that they would have liked to change is maybe some of the matting with the colors. But I don't think that really detracts anything from what they accomplished. It's pretty neat. I mean, Even yeah. like some of the, I guess, claymations too, this stop animation with the minion was kind of neat. The fucking creature effects in this movie kind of blow me away. Yeah. Yeah, it was really good. Really good. 
I feel like this movie should probably be more mentioned for those than it gets. But yeah. So I guess that's another recommendation. If you like creature effects, go fucking watch this movie. Yeah, definitely. If you've already listened to us talk about this this long, go fucking watch this movie. <laughs> if you were to stack it up next to like other like little mischievous creature movies, like Ghoulies, Critters... Absolutely. Um, I, I think the, I almost like these better than the critters. Dude, I mean, like they they, they look way more believable on screen than the critters. I mean, the critters just look like Muppets, and I don't yeah, get exactly. me wrong. I fucking love that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I feel like the creatures in the gate are like soup. Like the, you don't look at them, and you're like, you know, like exactly. No, it stirs something that's kind of the unknown too, with like the demon aspect of it. It's like, what the fuck are these things? You don't want them crawling all over you. And they're not friendly <laughs> at and all. Their overall look and just sort of reminded me of like the demons from like the original Doom. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's pretty dope. You're right. It, it does strike a certain nerve or chord because it is like, what the fuck is that? Yeah, and yeah, just sort of their musculature and just like the way their skin looked and shit. I'm like, oh fuck. <laughs> That'd be terrifying as a kid too, like encountering that stuff. Yeah, I guess one complaint I. I throw at it is the scene when Terry falls down into the pit. I kind of wish his interaction scene was a little longer. Yeah. yeah. Maybe like kind of similar to the scene in Army of Darkness when the little shemps are, you know because Terry is kind of like, you know he's kind of like a quirky Mm -hmm. kind of funny guy. I think it would have been cool if like, you know, he was down there a little bit longer and it was like him interacting with these creatures, you know, like make it comical. and like Yeah, you should ham it up a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I mean you know, it is what it is, but I just thought that that would have been kind of cool. Yeah, they missed yeah. a little bit of a moment there. Yeah, yeah. That would have been dumb. Maybe, like that. maybe we'll hear that Alex, Alex Winter. Winter. Yeah, yeah. Alex. <laughs> Alex Winter, if uh, you're still finishing your film, we have Put some ideas for you. Put me on the payroll. <laughs> we have some uh, great ideas for you. Just, uh, you know, look us up, Alex Winter. Yeah. <laughs> we know you're listening. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I'm sure Sean Astin can tell him about it, since we know Sean Astin listens. That was funny, man. But yeah, as far as like gripes, it's like, nah, simple stuff, but nah, it's an overall pretty solid film. I mean, yeah, I mean, for me, the only gripes that would come are the things that just come from it being this time period at yeah. this budget level. Right. And I mean, it's not like, I love practical effects, and so even if they were to do it with like a modern day effects, I would hope they still did it that way, and then just smoothed it over with CG, because I think that's the way to go yeah, nowadays. for sure. For sure. Totally. But you know, what I think is interesting too is looking at its budget and its return, it's like it did fairly well, yeah. man, considering. Yeah, was it like thirteen on a seven? Yeah, like something thirteen like that. and a half, I think, or something like that. So, so it doubled it up. Yeah, I think it was your sequel too, as far as getting one. There's something to be said about that too. You know, it struck a nerve with an audience back then too. And is currently streaming on Tubi. Yeah. So if you don't mind watching with commercials. I know, is it Vestron has a, uh, a nice copy of it, too? Ooh. I, I have the copy of it on Blu-ray. I'm not sure who did it, but it's it's awesome. It has great, like, special features, and, yeah, it's it was a little pricey, but, but yeah, I, I mean, thought it was well worth the purchase. Yeah, if you're into collecting, like, uh, I love that kind of stuff. So, yeah, it's definitely worth one, at least checking out. I think there's even a copy where you can get the sequel with it as well. So. Oh, cool. Yeah. So for those who were looking, I still have to see the sequel. You guys saw the sequel? I yeah. haven't. I haven't either. Oh, okay. If I have, I don't remember it. Apparently, uh, he makes a Terry strikes a deal with the demons or oh, something nice. like that, and they grant you wishes. And, oh shit! But the wishes turn literally turn to shit. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I don't know. Oh, okay. I'm not opposed to it. Yeah. I. Yeah, you know. 
Yeah. That's usually how deals with demons go, I think, but maybe not literal <laughs> shit, I guess. Yeah, most I of the time. I mean, like, you know, you wish for, like, a hamburger, and then it turns to shit. Yeah, that would, oh, that'd be the worst. Like, as soon as you start chewing, just... Yeah. Turns into a whole different type of horror, right? Shit sandwich. Shit sandwich. Oh, fuck. Well, I guess we can close this gate. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Oof. Yeah, that hurt me to just to say, really. It just deep down. I like it. Yeah. However, as we go on and keep talking, I think we have next week's movie pl- planned. Yeah, we sure do. So, uh, yeah, we do. I guess if you guys want to keep listening and hear us talk about the reflecting skin next week, please hit subscribe however you're currently listening. If you don't like how you're listening, there's links at the top of our website, www.friedsquirms.com to all the most popular podcast listening sites. Down at the bottom, we always have our latest episodes streaming, and in between portals to all of our online, the Facebook, the Twitter, the Instagram, as well as access to our complete archives, and you can contact us through the website as well, or squirmcast at gmail.com. Fucking we love to hear from you guys. We obviously like take requests. Yeah, it was like we've already mentioned we like recommendations. If you have suggestions, like we were saying, if you want... Donnie's getting two recommendations yes. already. I was so, I listened to the, the November episode you guys did, and it was so cool to like, hear your enthusiasm. Nice. Um, well, yeah, thank I, you. Mean, I, I just watched it the night before, and uh, yeah, it, was like, it, was, it was super cool. That was one that was right on the money. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. Uh, so if you guys recommend a shit, we obviously do it, so please hit us up. We love to hear from you. And if you do like us, please leave us like a rating and review on Apple Podcasts because that helps us get into the algorithm and all that good shit. And I don't want to beg too much, but it would be great to like get this out there more. And that's the easiest way too. So. Yeah, and we mentioned too, like we're on Spotify now too. So fuck yeah, that's easy way to yeah, which is really cool. So I mean, I've subscribed, so it's it's kind of weird, but also nice to be able to yeah, hear ourselves back on that. God. For sure. Yeah, we weren't on Spotify for like an entire year, and now we're on there, and I'm just like, yes. <laughs> Even though technically Apple is bigger, I'm like, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody uses Spotify for something. <laughs> no, it's, it's still cool, but yeah. Yeah, I had fun, man. It was nice to have you on, Donnie. Thanks for yeah, joining it was, us. Yeah, it was a blast, man. Thank you. Hell yeah. I'm Tyler. I'm Danny. I'm Donnie. This has been Fried Squirms. For, oh, shit. I fucked that up. Fried Squirms, out. Oh. <laughs> <laughs>